0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Elixir Mix. I'm Sasha Wolf, and this week on the panel we have Adi Ayengar. Hello. And Alan Weimar. Hello. And of course, we have a special guest, and this week joins us, Atanda Rashid, Atanda Rashid, I'm sorry. And I you want to talk fun. about a library you've written, right? So why don't you tell everybody why you're here and
1: why we love you and why we have you on the show? As Sasha mentioned, uh, my name is uh, Rashid Atanda. I'm the author of um, ElastiClone, a full-text search uh, library for use in the Eliza environment basically. And over the last couple of weeks, I think the project got some, you know, some hypes around it for users who are looking for alternatives to implement, you know, full-text search implementations in their projects without having to you know, deploy the complex, popular search engines that we have in, you know, in the tech world.
0: Yeah, I actually saw it also being mentioned. Like I don't remember which newsletter it was, but it was one newsletter, Elixir Weekly, maybe. So like, some so I saw it somewhere. I already I had it already in my open tabs, and I meant to check it out. <laughs> and then okay. we got this episode scheduled, and I was like, oh, okay, and and least this opportunity to talk about it. Hey, folks, this is Charles
2: Maxwood from Top End Devs, and lately I've been working on actually building out Top End Devs. If you're interested, you can go to that's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topenddevs.com.
0: So I'm going to now adopt a question Chuck usually likes to ask. Um, and he always likes to ask, okay, what's the story behind this, right? Like, what's the story behind the library? How did you end up writing this? Because, of course, I could ask you what it does, but I think it's more interesting uh, to find out how you ended up creating this.
1: Oh, uh, so the backstory to this basically was, uh, I think some years back, I had the opportunity to stumble upon the, you know, full text search library, written in JavaScript, the name is Elastic right? And during that period, then I stumbled upon it. I was looking for a full text search library to be used for you know a site project I was working on without requiring, without requiring me to, you know, deploy, Elasticsearch, Lucene Sol, and you know, and the popular search engines that we currently have. And during that time, I, I yeah, during that time it worked well for me that uh, because what I was basically doing do was just you know pulling data from the back end and indexing everything on the front end to be able to you know pro- provide this search uh, capabilities in the side project I was working on. And lately, I, I think uh, this was last year, I think I was working I I started you no know, I started working with Eliza a lot from 2020 right and during that period I've had situations whereby I had to you know implement search features on some applications that I was working on and yeah and somehow I got to use the you know the most uh should I say the basic or the existing one implementations in place which basically requires you know us to fall back to using you know the databases like Postgres, MySQL and, you know, make use of the search, the full-text search uh, functionality they provide. But during that period, I think for me, I wasn't quite comfortable with the way, you know, most of them work as it requires us to, as requires us to, you know, do some extra learnings into how these databases implement that full-text search, you know, functionality and so on. And during that period, I go to, I think this was last year, I got to remember about, you know, the JavaScript library I made you. So I was like, I believe it's going to be cool if I can have such functionality available for me in the in the Elixir environment. And that was how I got started with the project basically. Nice. So you said that this is something you use for
0: like personal projects, or is it also something you have like, I don't know, like a client project you use this in? Is it like used in production or is it more of a better version, so to speak? Like,
1: where do you see that right now? Yeah, so currently, actually, I think what you know made me also invest more time in in building the project, was that as my current workplace, one of the projects we are working on is going to be requiring you know it's going to require this full text search functionality and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And considering the limited number of resources we have on the team, I think it's going to be you know an overkill for us to have to deploy these popular search engines. Which is elastic sheets, as that will require us to, you know, allocate extra resources to maintain, deploy, and and do everything regarding that. So for me, I believe it's something that will be, you know, just at my current workplace for some of these search functionalities yeah, okay. will be working.
0: So it's definitely something you plan on like launching in production and 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 oh, serving definitely. like real world. Yeah, nice. It's yeah, always nice. I mean. I mean, academic things and like more academic libraries are also like interesting sometimes, but I'm also always intrigued by this in VM production ready stuff. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So pretty cool just to see that going along. And I can totally understand the desire to streamline and simplify your deployments because we at work right now have like a Cassandra running cluster and that that's just say It doesn't come free of maintenance. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> of course. But, so, and, and as we all know in the tech world, you know most companies have very limited, you know, resources, right? To handle most of these things we build, so basically it's always advisable to to limit the number of extra dependencies or extra services you have to run and maintain. And I think exas you know, proving to be that capable to solve most of the Most of the issues you might end up facing on the back end, uh, because if you look at the likes of um, Live View and the things they are doing, you you look at uh, Nevs and and those other projects that currently exist. You know, for us, I think, I think for me, it was the most important thing was just to take advantage of these capabilities that the provides to me without having to hand over those functionalities to an extra service.
3: I have a question though: How are you going to handle? During restarts or when the app is booting up for the first time, I mean, there's going to be some delays, right? While well, it's indexing everything, or if your app ever goes down, goes back up. Like, do you plan to like store this into somewhere on the disk? Like, what's it that called? That's you know, just the disk backed
1: ETS. Yeah. So currently, I don't know if you you know checked the current state of the project. I implemented um, a couple storage providers for the library, and the two of them were disk storage, right? and also S3 compatible, you know, storage providers. So basically you can write your indexes to, to either your disks, your server disks, or you write them to an S3 bucket. And an application startup, the library will load these files and, you know, and automatically load all the data indexed into memory, so you don't have to worry about that.
4: That's really cool. So just to uh, so I understand, like, what let's compare this to, like, say, Elasticsearch, right? And obviously, it's huge, right? What features uh, have you added compared compared to Elasticsearch, and what features, like, are like uh, something you want to add uh, in the near future?
1: Yeah. So for me, I think one of the first things I adopted from the JS library was maintaining similar search interface as Elasticsearch provides currently. And that basically means that once you have experience with Elasticsearch Query DSL, you should be able to compose similar query and have the library you know, work the same way as Elasticsearch is going to work. I think that's that's one thing I you know had to maintain first. And for the features I'm going to be adding going forward, I think I've had a lot of developers reached out to me about you know what directions they think would be suitable for the project, and one of them has been you know about choosing the library in a distributed system. Yeah, and as for me, I find this to be a, you know, an interesting problem to tackle, even though I have less experience when it comes to you know, distributed systems. So I'll be reading up on I'll be reading up on the resources i my hands on and you know try to make sense of what is required to achieve such functionality. But basically, before but for me, before I you know, involve myself fully in that, I think one of the things that is priority for me right now is performance, right? Performance of the library. And, and during the weekend, I and I think I started working on, yeah, I started working on the performance aspect of the system. Yeah, that's actually something I wanted to, to get at sooner than
0: later. Like, okay, what, how do you see with performance-wise? And do you have, like, benchmarks? Or at least benchmarks planned, right? Because I feel that's probably something people will be interested in. Like, okay, how fast does this perform for example compared to having Elasticsearch running in the background where you do have to include that network traffic and that is certainly something this library that re- eliminates from the equation so I can definitely see that it, it's faster so where are we standing on
1: that? Yeah. So currently based on the little performance testing I did during the weekend I, I think what, what I did was I picked up some of Elasticsearch um, existing benchmark data to test against the library, mm-hmm. and one of them was using the HTTP logs Rally Track, as they call it in Elasticsearch, mm-hmm. basically. And based on the performance, I based on what I saw, I think. Well, based on what I saw, the library tends to you know perform better when you do bulk indexing, like when bulk inserts a large number of documents into the Index right? Just like, I think it's the same behavior the Elasticsearch you always have, right? Like when you bulk insert your document into Elasticsearch, it tends to perform better than you iterating through the list of documents and then trying to insert them one at a time. So I I, I got to, you know, check those two variants of, or those two variations of, you know, indexing documents and I figured that indexing all 1,000 documents at once tend to, you know, Tend to improve in terms of performance um, when compared to other forms of indexing or inserting document like I probably didn't get you guys lost there.
0: <laughs> no, and like search speed, like comparatively speaking to like Elasticsearch, because I do think that's probably also of interest to people. But to be honest, I'm super much into Elasticsearch and stuff. It's like a blind spot on my career. <laughs> Until now, I have never had to deal with Elasticsearch. So let that out there. <laughs> You're lucky. <laughs> So like yeah, comparatively speaking, like how how fast is the like, searching capability? Is it right now quicker or slower than Elasticsearch with or
1: without? To be sincere, I haven't really, you know, compared the performance information I got with Elasticsearch at the moment. I think basically, uh, for me what I was trying to achieve was to try to figure out, you know, where I believe I'm going to be of bottleneck to the library. Yeah, okay. Yeah one, was, uh, no, yeah, one of them was, I know, at the index manager layer, right? One of them was at the index um, manager layer, which basically, you know, which basically is, yeah, it makes use of, you know, the elixir OTP functionality we have, and that's requires, And uh, that means, <coughs> so that means that, you know, we have to, have to make use of dynamic um, supervisors, right? Because every time you try to index, anytime you try to save, an index into the manager, you have to, yeah, a new process gets spun up to manage that particular you know, index. So that means that when the index, when the process for that index crashes, it doesn't affect the other stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I just had some more coming to attend some. So as as I was saying, so whenever I try to save an index using the manager, we spawn up a new process to manage everything regarding that index. So that if anything happens to the index one way or the other, it doesn't affect other indexes you have, you know, in the system. And one of the problems with that is because of the way you know Elixir process messaging works, right? It sense like that it has copied the whole index structure into the message box for that particular process. So as I said, a copy as I said, trying to bulk insert a thousand, as I said, trying to bulk insert a thousand, you know. Document into the um, using the library mm-hmm. at once works way more better as compared to trying to you know index mm-hmm. the document one one yes. at a time because when you try to index a document one at a time you have multiple messages in the message box for that particular process but when you try to you know index a thousand documents at once you know you have just a message for that process to to handle.
0: Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense.
1: And like an age-old story of of processes and OTP
0: and message passing again. (laughs) Okay, so I'm I'm actually like curious, maybe without going too much into depth, like how, how does this work under the hood? I mean, you already mentioned that have processes and I guess like one process per per index to like do this indexing but then like the actual querying does it go through an ETS table or is it also like a message which is sent like what's happening there under the hood like where's where the magic
1: yeah so the magic is still at the the magic is still at the index module at the moment but due to you know the performance insights I've gained during the weekend, I think I'll be making some you know, necessary factors, right? to so improve this performance, maybe make use of an ETS table. So as to re- so basically what I'm thinking to do is that whenever you save an index, a new ETS table will be created for that particular mm-hmm. index, right? So that limits, so that way we get to limit the amount of data that stays in the, uh, you know, a process message box Right, so that we won't be having, you know, I think for me, I believe that we won't be having issues with performance, basically. So, so, th- so that will require that, you know, the current public API that is in place to work with, you know, the search index will most likely be changing a bit Based on you know, the necessary factors I'll be making. So, so at
0: the moment, like go, going through it step by step, going through it step by step, like you you get, for example, let's say like it's in Phoenix app, right? Look, like you get a request, and then you want to do like a search on this. And so, what do I do? Like, I invoke the, the module like uh, to, to, to search, and then what happens? Does it send a process to it, like a message to that proce- uh, index process, or does it access like a shared piece of memory somewhere, which is, I mean, usually so through an ETS table. Or oh, so what, what are the steps for like in the query phase to, to,
1: to get my results? I'm I'm curious. Yeah, uh, actually I've had you know people ask me similar questions. And for me, I think the approach I'll be taking is mostly dependent on my use case, right? Because for me, I don't think I'll be making use of you know, the external storage, the external storage providers are currently put in place because the way we uh, currently implement most of you know, our projects right now at work is that on application startup, we tend to load as much, as much data as possible into memory, right, because this improves, uh, this improves read time because it does require us to reach out to the database and to get specific data. So for me, at that phase of reading those you know, information into memory, it's at that point I'll be indexing those documents into their corresponding index. Because basically, an index is just like a table in your database. So it's just like having a mirror of, you know, of your users table. Let's say you have a users table, then you also have to have your index uh, your users index, right? So at the point when I'm losing loading the users into memory, as I'm getting the data, I'll also have to, you know, send them to the full text library to index. Yeah, and for me to get my results, yeah. So so after you know, after I've finished indexing them in the user's index, then I can now save it to the index manager, right? So once you save it to the index manager, you know, automatically a new process is up for that index. So you can always get that index back from the process manager at any time. So that's why the index manager was created there.
0: Okay. So Eddie, any any smart questions from you because you have more experience in analytics search than I do and that kind of stuff? <laughs>
4: yeah. I'm I'm actually trying to as I'm hearing uh, Rashid's answer I'm trying to like uh, just understand the scale of this product and I feel like as I'm looking at the code it's huge. Yeah. At surface you know you might be like okay you could have like uh, delegated most of the operations to like an ETS or something but I'm looking at like everything done in elixir and it's Uh, I mean, first of all, it's amazing just like how much code you've written here. And do you have any like support for like aggregation like queries? Like since you mentioned like, you know, uh, like you want the query DSL to look like Elasticsearch, like any ways to do aggregation? Because I know that's huge in Elasticsearch, right?
1: Yeah. So currently that does not exist, right? But the way the library is designed is that you can have your custom query DSL, like you can have your custom query DSL. That you can always use against the full text um, against the index. I mean, so that means that if you want, you know, if you want a custom behavior or you don't want a specific query type like you have in Elasticsearch, you can always implement yours. But currently in the project, what I did was you know, just to have the basic query types that most people will be working with, which is you know the Boolean terms, match, match all, and the not query type, so the way the library is designed, is right. flexible. And, and, you can always implement yours.
4: Yeah, that's really cool. That's really cool. And also, like, I mean, since it's in Elixir itself, and you know, you'd be most likely using this with Elixir. It's like the the barrier to entry, like to like start coding and like extending the libraries, a lot less. So that's huge too. Have Have you experimented with like just the uh, amount of data like indexing like a huge huge amount of data
1: yeah i, I think the eyes i've done at the moment is a thousand but like i mentioned earlier on i'm trying to work with you know the existing Elasticsearch benchmark data so that would mean that i'll be you know indexing a lot of data because i, I think when looking at the elastic search rally tracks i saw some documents now i think i saw a it file is as large as one gig, like more than a gig of you know documents in it and all so, so I believe when I get to that point I should be able to have you know much more better insights into how much you know it performs when compared to Elasticsearch. But currently for me the focus is is at the performance layer right now. Because most of the basic functionality to so, you know tokenize document search and all those things work. Well. So the performance is like the next step for me if I even consider fulfilling the wants of other developers. That's great.
2: Hi, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately I've been coaching some people on starting some podcasts and in some cases just taking their career to the next level. You know, whether you're beginner going to intermediate and intermediate going to advanced, whether you're trying to get noticed in the community or go freelance, I've been helping these folks figure out how to get in front of people, how to build relationships and how to build their careers and max out and, and just go to the next level. So if you're interested in talking to me and having me help you go to the next level, go to topendevs.com slash coaching. I will give you a one hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go and figure out what the next steps are. And then from there, we can figure out how to get you to the place you want to go. So once again, that's topendevs.com slash coaching.
4: Yeah, there's there's like a huge. I think there's a huge like I guess a uh, market for lack of a better word for this kind of a package. I mean, you know, great thing about Elixir and Phoenix like ecosystem is that you know it doesn't take that long to set up your application. You know, like with like something like Live View, like sort of like a professional looking application. And if you want full text search, like setting up like Elasticsearch or something like that, like puts such an immense burden on the infrastructure. And like this, I think is already feature rich enough that you know um, a lot of like early-stage Elixir projects could use it. I'm definitely going to give it a try.
1: I'll be looking forward to your feedback. Yeah, I love people, you know, try it out, and they all love the idea, basically, because it helps them solve the problem of allocating, you know, these extra resources to manage the popular search engines that we have right now. And that's also because of, you know, the network latency you have when even talking to those search engines, because now everything resides in the bin.
0: Right. I'm curious because, I mean, you especially since you just now met it. I mentioned Adi that like it's something where like elixir projects at an early stage might be interested in going first, right? Where is like the the break point where you say, okay, for example, now maybe I want to reach for like an ex- an external search system? I do know that Postgres, for example, also has some full text search capabilities. I'm not super familiar with those. But I do guess that a lot of people are already having some kind of Postgres in their system because I feel Postgres is a very popular choice inside of the Elixir community. So, at what point would you say, okay, um, this library is like good enough to do the job? But maybe when you reach this point, something else could be better suited to to help you go forward. Right? Does it make sense?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that question makes sense. I think for me, the answer I'll be giving to that is is that I currently can't tell what the current you know what the break point is going to look like until I get more feedback from other developers or other users of the library. Is but and and that's one of the reasons why I yeah like that's one of the reasons why I encourage you know people to give they try in any of that project, and if they're facing any issues, let me know. So that I can take a look at them and you know, fix them. Because currently the project itself is still at an early stage, so it will be tricky to give a finished answer to such questions.
4: I think your benchmarking exercise will help with this too. That's one of the reasons I was asking, you know, how much data you can handle, or just like to know what the breakpoint is. So, looking forward to getting that information. Maybe, maybe in, in your blogs.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll, def, I'll definitely be sharing my findings. I think for me, I think for me the. the the limit for the library, I right? somehow for me I feel there's no limits to it basically. Because at the end of the day it depends on, you know, how you make use of it and how you are able to improve your indexing step because that's what is going to cost most of the bottlenecks next for you know for the users at the point where you have to load, you know, data into memory, then index them and this stuff. So to me, i I think that's just the only bottleneck I feel you know the users might be facing, and that's why I'm keen on improving you know the performance of the library so as to be able to undo a lot of these things. Yeah, also
0: like I think that there has been time and time again in the community stories around, okay, this simple solution scaled surprisingly well, right? Like, I mean, there have been a lot of stories around this, so I wouldn't be surprised if this is a similar
1: story. Here. Yeah, anything can happen with the project, sure. I think if I remember some, like, some of the numbers I had when I was running the benchmark using Benchy, I think if I'm correct, one of the, like, one of the benchmark I had for you know bulk inserting a thousand documents at once. Was around. Uh, I can't remember the number. Yeah, but, but but what I basically found out was that you know trying to index. I know that indexing a thousand documents at once works faster and better compared to trying to index five hundred documents. You know at once that required two iterations, right? And then compared to having to you know index. A document one time as you load them into into memory. So at the end of the day, the you know the loading phase, the indexing phase of your documents is what we tell our performance libraries.
4: I would add like a section to your either readme and or even the documentation about like these like little performance tidbits that you're finding, right? Like oh, maybe try to index you know multiple documents like like in batch uh, versus one at a time and stuff like that. It'd be it'd be very useful for people who you know who might be trying out your library.
1: Yeah, I'll definitely update that, you know, once I find more performance points. In general, like these easy digestible
0: um, performance characteristics through table, for example, is always something which catches your eye, right? Yeah. I mean this is the same with a like completely unrelated tools like command line search tools or anything like here, grab yeah. and uh, what's the uh, arc and all, all these kind of things They're like having these tables to showcase okay, this is faster, this is slower, this is always nice and digestible for people to get like an immediate imp- impression of okay when is this a good use case and when not so yeah i mean that, i mean it can only get better from your on, right so yeah
3: <laughs> yeah i would love to see some benchmarks versus Elasticsearch, search um yeah, and also postgres full-text full search i was just doing some quick checking over here seeing like the difference between the full-text search at postgres versus Elasticsearch, search and i see more and more people saying that actually it's pretty decent and getting better and better for postgres versus Elasticsearch. yeah i don't know i'm just kind of curious about like how is it versus you know maybe you maybe you have a faster implementation for smaller size records i'm not too sure but i saw that somebody did a benchmark with postgres and they said like 1.5 million records in around 30 milliseconds that seems pretty quick to me i don't know maybe maybe i'm wrong okay but 30 milliseconds for quite quick for 1.5
4: it would depend on the query too right
1: is that uh, at the query so phase? Mean, uh, uh, yeah. A, yeah. At the query phase, right? Yeah, I think query should work as you know, as fast yeah, as possible. Yeah, possible. yeah, yeah but I'm but just curious like, about I mean, how fast I mean, they index, you know, about, some uh, of their, index. How, how fast the index yeah. works in these other you know, solutions we have.
3: Yeah, I would would just want to see some benchmarks just I'm just curious, right? Because if it's compelling, I mean, I may drop some stuff, right? That's really what I want to see like some use cases, not just like, you know, who's better, but maybe like, like, I forgot who just said that, like, maybe somebody's use case actually matches what you guys really what your library can do really, really well, right? So I'm really curious.
0: Yeah, and for me, we talked a lot about indexing now, but I mean, querying is also something which is super important because I do think you build up the index to query, right? (laughs) So querying should also be fast and like getting like an impression of, okay, indexing is that quick, maybe this is quicker, that is slower, Elasticsearch search is better here, blah, 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 blah. But querying, this these are the characteristics. Because at, at the end of the day, that is mostly what, for example, end users will, will feel querying speed. So I'm getting more info on that. It's certainly something I feel could help in making this more accessible to people trying out the
1: library. Yeah, so for you know, querying documents... Code document, I I think that should work pretty fast because the library has a similar step as you know Elasticsearch has, which is basically taking a string, right? And after, you know, after Elasticsearch takes the string, it runs it through a pipeline, which basically tokenizes the string to remove stop word filters or you know, or maybe reduces some words into their root form, right? and then before it has been indexed to the corresponding few uh so, so for the performance that is that's going to require me to you know do some digging regarding that at more but, but i think with the little data of indexed at some point or i've fiddled with it works pretty fast like it worked pretty fast as you would expect but one thing i'm one thing i'm guessing is that you know as one thing i'm guessing is that as your document increases i believe the yeah, as the document increases, I believe the query time also or might you know increase because when you try to query an index for a particular term or word, it has to go through the available documents in the in the index, try to find the documents that matches the given query, and so on and so forth. Too. So, I think that as the document increases in the index, the query time should also increase with it. But for me, I, I think with the current way the library is implemented, there's still room for improvements. Basically, like just like I mentioned earlier, the library is still at an early stage; it's still going through, you know, few um iterations based on whatever performance we are able to get out of it. So.
0: Yeah, I mean, it makes perfect sense. You're still also on a zero point six version something, I think. Right? Yeah, at yeah, that yeah, point so nobody yeah at that point nobody expects it to be done. Like right? because by definition zero point something is not done. <laughs> <Of course. laughs> yeah. But yeah like I just like a- echoing some of the things where I as a mostly user of these things not never have any written any kind of code doing that. Where I feel okay v- v- these are the tidbits I'm
1: interested in. Right? Like, I, I, I'm interested I think in, like, the metrics as performance. The performance metrics is what has been, you know, delaying some of the users mm-hmm. because for because I asked other developers to out to me and they're like, well, what do you have to tell about you know the performance?" And the only answer I can give to them is at the moment that's what I'm focusing on, and you know, based on sure, my findings, yeah. I'll be making the appropriate you know adjustment to the library to accommodate your use cases. Because thing is the library, it because then is it's very hard. For the library to assume or cater for everyone's use cases, right? i this early because, because the data you are working with is possibly not the volume of data I'm working with, right? So, so based on your findings and your feedback on the repository, that will help and guide me more into what you know parts of the library I should look at improving. Yeah,
0: yeah, Ag- agree one hundred percent. Also, I mean, you're like one person. Right? Yeah. I guess the people behind Elasticsearch are more than one person. So <laughs> it would be ridiculous to, to expect the same level of features. And I do really like that, that the Elixir community, and this is a good example of that, that we have this notion of like, hey, 95% is like good enough. For, for our use cases like built-in things 95% we don't con- or we don't even want to cater to like these super weird edge cases but this thing is going to get you to there and not further and that's okay but you get the the added bonus of like keeping everything inside of the application just yes, like as also this this library from Sasha Yurik I think for like handling SSL certificates and stuff, right? Like where you even there don't want, maybe don't want to use an external dependencies. And that's a thing I, I see over and over again in the community, okay, why not bake it in? And the, the Beam gives you gives us very nice tools for that. So I'm, I'm excited to see where this journey is going. I'm excited to see where your, where your library is going. And I'm, I'm interested to see where, where we might be standing in, I don't know, five <laughs> years and what what all of the things are we no longer need external dependencies for. exactly.
4: That'd
1: be awesome. Yeah, definitely. Because for me, I've always wanted to, you know, just have everything baked in. Because that reduces, you know, the stress of trying to figure out where the problem is, where a problem is coming from. Because then you already have an idea that, oh, since everything is baked in, I should be able to, you know, go into the server, check these processes, try to you know, yeah, gain yeah. as much insight from the process.
0: Also streamlines the de- deployment Stories so, so much. I mean, deployment yep. becomes a lot easier when you don't have to deploy, I don't know, I
1: exactly. <laughs> <That's 'cause laughs> that I've I've had so, colleagues and friends so, who had to teach deploying these popular engines, like Elasticsearch, and that's because, you know, it requires this learning curve from them being the first time user, right? You have to try to understand what sharding is how the hash keys of what is it called works and you understand so that you don't end up using data in the future when you have to scale yeah. and all those things. So that's so that's one of the you know problems looking forward to solve with the library basically. Like you shouldn't have to worry like when trying to implement a full full text search functionalities in your projects. You shouldn't have to worry about you know deploying a separate application. You just need to include the right green and you get green. Especially when when the other
0: application is potentially also written in a completely different tech stack. Because I mean, Elasticsearch and Cassandra and all these kind of things are Java-based applications, as far as I know. And when you're used to working with Java, that's I guess fine because then you are familiar with all idiosyncrasies around that. But when you're not, it's another thing you need to keep in the back of your head where okay. The so JVM, or the JVM maybe behaves in that way or another way. It's something you need to know at some point unless you book like a software as a service solution from AWS or anything, which I think does offer stuff like that. But when you run it yourself, when you have to deploy it for yourself for whatever reason, then these are all things you need to take care of. And it's more complexity at the end of the day. And less complexity is always nice. <laughs>
4: yeah. yeah, I really appreciate that. What Rashid has done here is that he's written the, quickest way to get yeah, filtered yeah. search in an elixir application so i think that's the selling point right now and i think the i'm looking at the documentation it's very comprehensive really appreciate that huge shout out for also writing the live book that's also much appreciated my end
1: yeah and, and, and the good part of the library also is its flexibility right i currently the you know big thing tokenizer or the pipeline only supports english languages right but as time goes on i look at you know Importing tokenizers to support other languages, like let's say maybe Dutch, German, Spanish, and so on and so forth. So at the end of the yeah, day, I you guess the- won't. At the end of the day, you won't have to you know worry about these popular guys you have.
0: <laughs> I guess it's also a good avenue for community contributions. I guess right where there might be additional packages to, for example, add support for Dutch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just to come up with something. So yeah, cool. Really looking forward to to see how this evolves. Yeah, sure. Anything, any last questions before we go to PIX, folks? Everybody's nodding there. Everybody's shaking their head.
1: So
0: I guess <laughs> okay, then, right, one thing before we go to Bix. Uh, Rashid, how do people reach you when they want to get in touch?
1: So the mediums where I got you know, developers reach out to me, uh, that was at the point where you know, the popularity of the library grew, and that was true I news. right? There's this thread, on account use that you know, some developers were voicing their opinions and their, and their ones. And I also have you know, some other developers reach out to me through emails and also Discord, Elastic, um, the Elixir Discord server, so on and so forth. But for me, you know, other messages coming in after, after the IP period, I've been referring, you know, the developers to create appropriate issues on that. And I'm also looking to, you know, enable the GitHub discussion feature for the repository so that we can so that it can be a place to you know, we can have a single place to like you know have an idea of what people want basically. As as the idea of you know, GitHub discussion is all about, where everyone come on board, discuss, you know, what problems or what places we should look out to improve, you know, the library's performance also. All right. That's,
0: we got, we got to also, I mean, we're going to include the link to a repository, for example, in the show notes. So it's uh, then certainly an avenue to get in touch.
1: Yeah, I'm also yeah. looking for. I think know. we're
0: also going to include a, a link to a Twitter profile, right? Like you, you shared that with us, so.
1: Oh, what link is that? Okay. Sorry? Yeah, I was asking what link is
0: that? You did share with us like a link to your Twitter profile, I think. So
1: we can also oh, include so.
0: that. That's so okay with you. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fine. Uh, okay, yeah, then I'm also go looking to...
1: forward to contributors just to mention. Yeah, I'll be looking forward to contributors. <laughs> like and, 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 Get coding. like people, <laughs> no, not this not necessarily in form of you know coding per se, but you know, you implementing some fixes or improvements is appreciated, but you know, your feedbacks on your feedbacks on how you feel about the library or based on the interactions you've had with the library and things you believe should be improved or worked on. Makes sense. Yeah, okay, that makes sense.
2: Hey, folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production. And you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium.
0: Okay, then let me transition us to pics and Adi, why don't you start us off? Because you're directly below me in my screen. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Love the logic. Yeah, so I don't have a pick, but uh so I, I recently joined this mentoring group that happens weekly as a mentor. It's called Elixir Chat with two Gs. But it's like it's been run for like a couple of years now, uh, by Bruce Tate and Sophie De Benedetto, and it's for like uh, underrepresented people in tech, mostly as as mentees. So if you belong to one of those groups, like if you're, uh, I guess like if you're a woman, or uh, if you belong to the African American or Latinx community, reach out to me, and we have uh, fortunately have a surplus of mentors at this point, and we would love to have
0: more mentees join join our group. Nice, that's super cool. Love love to, to hear about this. Alan, what are your picks for this week? No Rust book, I've heard already.
3: Yeah, sadly, no Rust book. I've been busy with other things. So as you can see, I, I injured myself, as we talked about this, a couple of weeks ago. So I've been kind of putting Rust aside because how can I learn Rust if I can't type it? <laughs> so actually, I've been reading a book called Blockchain in Action, which is from Manning. I've been trying to get more and more into blockchain. People keep bugging me more and more to get into it. So I thought I'd take a look at it. And uh, speaking of Rust, uh, I'm also interested in Solana, which is all written in Rust. So that's something on my list to take a look at. But yeah, so this book called Blockchain Action. Uh, I only got to the first chapter so far because I just started reading it today. But overall, I think it's a pretty decent book. So I think you guys should go and check it out if you're interested to learn more more and more about blockchain and distributed apps, etc.
0: Nice. I'm going to go on record now to say I'm intrigued by the technology of blockchain. I'm not a fan of what is being done with blockchain right now. Let's just say that.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Somebody was, somebody was talking about this recently that they think it's just going to basically bubble and and explode, right? And everybody's going to be hurt. The way I look at it is, I think it's good for like a remittance tool. Like if you want to remit money, so in Hong Kong we have a lot of domestic helpers that like to send money overseas, and they always use Western Union, which you know, we'll take a chunk of your money. But if you can use like blockchain to instantly send the money and then the transaction fees is even lower, I think that's a good uh, use of blockchain technology to store your money in cryptocurrency. I don't know, the The verdict is out. The verdict is not out yet, right? It's going to, it's tricky. Uh, but I think Bitcoin and stuff like that is actually kind of stabilizing to a certain point. It used to be like really big jumps. Now it's, there's still jumps, but I think it's a little bit more stable than it uh, used to be.
0: Yeah, but it might be like, I don't follow the, ecosystem too much i also don't want to get into too much of a discussion but i feel like the ecological impact is something which i would love to see like a like a cryptocurrency with like more of more conscious to that area but yeah like i said but that's not (laughs) yeah
3: yeah okay now i now i know what you mean yeah that that is one of the negatives
0: but i I can certainly see how how it's, it's useful to certain kinds of folks and like certain situations yeah Okay, um, my picks for this week, I'm going to go simple, let's say that, and going to pick some uh, command line tools I use every day and find very, very useful, um, because as always, some people which might never have heard from them and could make your life easier. Um, so two things in specific, one is fuzzy finder, it's FZF, and it's just that, it's like a command line fuzzy finder. <laughs> and. It, like it comes built in with some capabilities to, for example switch file, switch folders fuzzy uh, in a fuzzy finer way but it's in built on the unix style where like it does this fuzzy finding really easily and you can pipe into it and you can pipe out of it and I've built like a whole thi- a whole host of like small utility scripts for myself with it and it's one of my favorite command line tools ever it's really really useful when you want to quickly select one thing from a whole bunch of, of results. And I guess it also fits in the spirit of the episode. Uh, <laughs> and the other tool is also really defining. Now, it's actually coincidence. It's FD Find. And it's basically a simpler and more straightforward version of like the Unix tool Find because Find is powerful and useful, but it also has some idiosyncrasies around it if you want to do certain kinds of searches. And... Find takes a more opinionated approach of like always going with a regex and then making it more straightforward without having the man without having to have a man page open at all times to actually do a simple search. So those are two tools I basically use daily. So um, definitely recommended for me. Okay, uh, Rashid, do you have any picks for
1: us? Actually, don't have one. Fair I enough. It's all good.
0: <laughs> yeah. Then uh, thank you for being on the show. Was a pleasure talking to you. Was a t- pleasure talking about your library, and I hope you um, we can hear and talk again at some point. Maybe when there's like a 1.0 version on the horizon. Yeah, hopefully. Okay. Yeah, then, it's nice to talk with you. So it was fun. It was really fun. Okay, then uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in, folks. And come back when we have another episode of Elixir Mix. Bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly,
2: the world's fastest CDN.